1: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
0: Three Martini's coming up.
2: Very glad you're with us for the Memorial Day edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Different format for you today. Uh, Jim and I are going to spend some time talking about the significance of of Memorial Day, um, both personally and just in terms of the importance of taking this time every year uh, to honor those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And then a little bit later in our conversation, we figure after 11 and a half years, it's probably time to tell you a little bit about us. So it's a little bit of a get to know uh, Jim and Greg edition of the Three Martini Lunch. So I'm hopefully uh, you all feel like you know us already. You know our favorite professional football teams and the things that kind of set us off uh, on politics and so forth. But uh, how did we get here and uh, and uh, what uh, what drives us politically and, and with the podcast? So uh, all of that coming up in, in just a moment. But of course, today is Memorial Day, uh, first uh, recognized in 1868 as Decoration Day. And uh, usually on Memorial Day and sometimes on Veterans Day, you'll hear the distinction that, uh, you know, Veterans Day is for all who have served, and certainly those who are no longer active duty and are still with us. Memorial Day is specifically for those who lost their lives uh, in service to our country. And it's uh, that which we honor today, as well as the families of those uh, who have lost. And uh, Jim, you know, you and I uh, grew up in the, the shadow of Vietnam. I think we were teenagers with the Gulf War. And then obviously the last 20 years, uh, up until very recently, were dominated by the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So while you and I are not veterans, uh, we did not serve. We have certainly uh, seen the cost of war, uh, both in terms of people we know and in terms of the cost uh, to our nation in, in, in lives. And so what comes to mind for you on this day?
0: Greg, my great uncle passed, uh, passed away, I should say he was killed in at Iwo Jima during World War II. Um, it's kind of interesting, which this is a part of our family history that you know gets mentioned every now and then. Uh, my understanding is it was a vehicle accident. It was not necessarily uh, taking a hill or under fire or, or anything necessarily dramatic like that. But in wartime, particularly in World War II, death could come at you from any one of a whole bunch of unexpected directions. And I don't know if it was necessarily because of a landmine or unexploded ordinance or, or something like that, or just the dangers of driving in a war zone or something like that. But uh, he did not come home and uh, dad talks about it every now and then. Dad served in the U.S. Navy. Um, Greg, I don't know about you, I feel like almost every year, to the extent people still pay attention to editorial cartoons and newspapers, there's some sort of cartoon that somebody will run that will show people with you know backyard barbecues or go to the movies or something like that and say, you know, happy Memorial day or something. And then there's some sort of, you know, someone visiting a graveyard, um, and and kind of say you know, there's an implication that you're shallow or there's something wrong with you if you go out and enjoy Memorial Day weekend. I hope you go out and enjoy Memorial Day weekend. I just think it's probably good to also take a moment to at least pause, reflect. If you if uh, feel like saying a prayer, say a prayer. Think about the people who guaranteed we live the way we live in freedom um, and the number of people who uh not only gave all but i think about the you know the families that were left behind the the empty seats at the dining room table the number of people who knew that they were going into a dangerous situation and you know no one no one wants to to you know put them be under under fire but they knew it was necessary and they did it and as a result of it we still live in freedom in what remains to be a very dangerous world so just thinking this thinking that kind of stuff through um, I don't think you know Memorial Day is a good time for scolding or for you know wagging your finger at people who are, you know, roasting some hot dogs and hamburgers in the backyard or anything like that. But I do think it's good for all of us to kind of take that moment and realize it didn't have to turn out this way. We were not guaranteed this freedom uh, and to enjoy it for the rest of our lives.
2: No, that's very well said, and and all the way from the Revolution through obviously the bitter fighting and and difficult days of the Civil War, two world wars, and I'm obviously not mentioning every conflict here, Korea, uh, Vietnam, onto the wars of the present day. But um, one of the things that I get to do here, and and I've mentioned this a few different times uh, on this podcast, is that I host another podcast called uh, Veterans Chronicles. I have the great fortune to speak with folks uh, from all different uh, conflicts in relatively recent history. I got even one World War I vet in before uh, they all left us. And um, now we're trying to gather as many uh, World War II oral histories as we can in the time we have remaining with them. And so hearing their stories and, and hearing their humility, their sacrifice, and how they almost to a man always say the real heroes are the ones who did not come home um, gives you excellent perspective today. So um, thank you. For those who have served and to those families who have lost folks in in service to this country, uh, we honor you today as well. Uh, Jim, no good way to transition from that to our sponsor for the day, but we are certainly grateful for uh, Athletic Greens. And uh, look, when it comes to staying healthy and doing so in an efficient way, it's hard to think of a better way to do it than with Athletic Greens. Uh, With just one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens 1 and a glass of water, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and more. This is the right way to start your day.
0: They sent us AG1, athletic greens, and it was like, okay, you know, let's see. First of all, you look at the package, and it lists 75 high-quality vitamins. Whatever you need, it's in there. As I've mentioned in the past, it's green. And you might be thinking, oh, my God, is this going to taste like kale? Is this some sort of surreptitious effort to get vegetables in me or something? No, actually, that's kind of nice. So I I pour it in, you pour the powder in, you add one glass of water. You don't need to drink gallons and gallons of this stuff. And lo and behold, it tastes really good. I'd say a combination between, somewhere between like uh, green tea, matcha and kind of minty, but it's fresh, refreshing, it's pleasant. You will not say, oh, why do I have to drink this stuff? Oh, this is really good. And lo and behold, you're getting all the vitamins you need. You're probably getting way more than you're getting with your regular vitamins. So it's simpler, it's easier, and it's more enjoyable. Why wouldn't you try Athletic Greens?
2: Yeah, this also supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness, and it costs you less than $3 a day. So it's a whole lot cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that are included in one scoop each day of Athletic Greens 1. Just one scoop and a cup of water each day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com martini. Again, that is athleticgreens.com martini to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, athleticgreens.com. Slash Martini. All right, well, let's talk about some more good news, and that's Four Patriots, where you can find them at FourPatriots.com/slash Martini, and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with Four Patriots, you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4Patriots.com Martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini.
0: 18
2: plus all right, Jim. It was back in the late summer, early fall of twenty ten that the three Martini lunch got started. Your boss and my boss got together and decided that our two organizations needed to do a podcast. And they paired us up. It's almost like the e harmony of political podcasting here, but oh.
0: uh, <laughs> oh, you had to go with that comparison.
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but they made a good match. And so I, I still remember on the conference call, uh, sitting in my boss's office and, and 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 the bosses were like, okay, so it's going to be a podcast and I'm thinking maybe three topics and it's going to post around midday. What should we call this thing? And without missing a beat, Garrity over here says, three martini lunch. And that is how it all launched. It was October of uh, 2010. You know, every year we usually uh, play at least the Disney CTU and sometimes some other uh, clips uh, of our greatest hits. But uh Jim, uh, closing in now on on twelve years. My favorite part of the day, but I feel like as much as folks uh, love what we have to say about different things and are and are kind of getting used to our different quirks on different issues and so forth, maybe they don't know the whole background story on how we got to be co-hosts of a conservative podcast or how we even got to be conservatives at all.
0: Yeah, someone had mentioned this to me in, in context of the Morning Jolt newsletter uh that the recognition people may hear it may get it every day but in the end unless they bothered to look me up or in the case of this podcast looking to one of us up they don't know who we are (laughs) they don't (laughs) know where we don't there's a whole backstory. we were a whole uh life's events that brought us before uh 2010 which now feels like ancient history and let's face it a lot of things have happened since then um the backstory to that though was actually goes back to like i'm going to say around 2000 the 2008 presidential cycle uh, before Sirius and XM merged, they had a channel called POTUS and it seemed like every publication on earth was creating its own radio show. And I had gone to my bosses at national review and said this, we, we should have this. What, what is, what, this is crazy. How is it that, you know, uh, rinky dink political magazines are putting together one. And my plan was, well, someone else at national review should help organize this. <laughs> my bosses said, that's a great idea, Jim, you're in charge. Um, Now, you you people who have listened to me, I suspect people know that. But but in case you don't, listeners, I show up and talk. I have a microphone. We have a connection. Most days it's good. Greg handles all the heavy lifting of actually turning this into a podcast, all the splicing of the audio, the introduction, all the different kinds of stuff. Everything that makes this sound good is Greg's work and I'm along for the ride. So when I tried to do this for National Review, I had no technical capacity to do this. I didn't have good audio editing software. The whole thing just kind of flopped. But apparently at some point when Radio America reached out to National Review, I think that's the way it happened. I could be wrong. Uh, Somebody at National Review said, aha, you know what, Jim was talking about doing something like this. Let's have Jim talk to them. And I think I may have mentioned it in one or two of our anniversary editions. I have a feeling National Review thought Radio America was going to pump a lot of money into this. And I have a feeling Radio America thought National Review was going to pump a lot of money into this. And listeners, maybe we hide it well, but neither one has pumped a lot of money into this. And yet somehow this has managed to turn out. I imagine a couple of months, National Review was like, yeah, nobody seems to be listening to this. We're going to pull the plug. And no one got around to actually pulling the plug. And I'm glad they did not, because after a while, not only did we develop a fairly significant listenership, there was enough for people to want to do sponsors. Yes, I hear you. There are too many ads. But you know what? The ads are what help keep the lights on and keep it going. So you're going to have to keep hearing to us singing the praises of these wonderful products. Uh, But that's kind of how this podcast came together. And I also thought it'd be a good idea to just spend a little bit of time on a holiday weekend to say, hey, you know what, if you've ever wanted to know a bit more about Greg or about Jim, this is your chance.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. So let's uh, start with you, Jim, uh, if you'd like to go first. Growing up in New Jersey, I know. And uh, what was the linchpin to you uh, becoming a conservative? What age did you get interested in politics and that sort of thing? And how did it evolve?
0: Well, so my family growing up was was definitely Republican. Interestingly, I don't know if i necessarily characterize them as conservative, certainly not self-consciously conservative. I regret to inform you, I did not grow up in a house where we read National Review. Um, We did read a lot of newspapers, though. And I think at one point in my teen years when you, you know, my dad would get the New York Post, New York Daily News on weekends because we want to read about the Jets and stuff like that. Um, When you added up all the papers I read in a given week, It could get up to like six or seven. You know, you had the really super local papers, a small town in New Jersey called Metuchen. Um, If you're looking for geographic perspective, it is just south of The Sopranos and just (laughs) north of the Kevin Smith movies. Uh, A couple of wrong turns in life, I could have ended up being one of the characters in Mall Rats, shall we say. And uh, but so it was definitely a news conscious uh, environment I was growing up in. I was uh, always one of the, the people who was really interested in current events. You mentioned the Persian Gulf War and things like that. And maybe if you're looking for some sort of like Jim Garrity origin story, senior year of high school, uh, the former Senator Bill Bradley, a Democrat of New Jersey, used to run this event in which one child from each high school uh, would come for this kind of all day seminar uh, that they would do. And you get excused out of school. And apparently at uh, my high school in Metuchen, New Jersey, there wasn't even any competition. My understanding is the invitation came and the, you know, the social studies department was like, the only senior who'd be interested in doing this is Jim Garrett. Actually, at that point, I was known as James. So, uh, we, you know, there's over at some other high school, a couple towns over. And it's worth noting that even though I said my family grew up in a kind of a Republican environment, we always kind of liked Bill Bradley. Uh, dad talked about how he used to do uh, reading, teaching, you know, being a reading tutor in Harlem back when he was playing for the New York Knicks and stuff. And so Bill Bradley may have been the favorite Democrat of the Garrity household. So dad drops me off and I head into wherever we're supposed to go to this. And as dad is leaving, he sees Senator Bill Bradley coming in. And he goes over to shake his hand, and Bradley, of course, is still in the Senate, so he's you know, eager to, to meet people. And he says, oh, is your, is your child in today's seminar? And he says, yes, in fact, i got to warn you, he has a loaded question for you on the line item veto. <laughs> you see, this is, the, this is 1992 or so, maybe 1993. So Bill Clinton has just taken office, George H.W. Bush, who I, you know both my parents voted for, uh, had just been defeated. And George H.W. Bush had you know, wanted the line item veto as a way to get spending under control. Uh, Bill Bradley had said it was a terrible idea because he didn't think it was it was abrogation of the rights of Congress, et cetera, et cetera. And then shortly after Clinton was inaugurated, then Bill Bradley said the line item veto wasn't such a bad idea. <laughs> Some of us sensed a little hypocrisy in this. So we go through and they do a nice little kind of seminar. They talk about trying to set up the federal budget and what happens and stuff. And then in the afternoon, Senator Bradley does a QA. and a Finally, he calls on me and says, Senator Bradley, what is your position on the line item veto? he gives the standard answer about how he supports it, how wasteful spending has gotten out of control. We need to control our deficits and our debts. So, yes, he controls it. He's just about to go to the next questioner when I say, because you opposed it back when Bush was president, didn't you? And there's kind of a chuckle in the crowd. Yeah, well, I did. But now I've reevaluated it and all that stuff. And Bill Bradley, who is usually a very eloquent and very astute public speaker, (laughs) kind of tap dances around this one, gets some chuckles. And a couple of people come up and say, God, you really nailed them. And that moment, that is being bitten by a radioactive spider. That is finding the Green Lantern ring. That is that moment that kind of says, hmm, I kind of like giving Democratic lawmakers a hard time about double standards of hypocrisy. And a lot of different things. At that point in my life, I wanted to be a political cartoonist. I think you can hear in the humor of this program, that aspect of of myself has, uh, has continued through the years. Um, you know, Got involved in the college newspaper and realized, hey, this, is, this newspaper stuff is kind of interesting. Journalism on its best day is always interesting, always exciting. You never know. And it's that impulse you have when you've got big news and you can't wait to tell someone. That's what it's like when you're on a really good day as journalism. Not all the days are good days, uh, just as not all of our martinis are martinis. But anyway, and that's kind of what made me as I am today. And, you know, uh, this is the kind of mentality that I have with me from when I wake up to when I go to sleep.
2: So your dad dimed you out to Bill Bradley, yet you still managed to get Bill Bradley off balance. That's an impressive oh, no, that performance. Oh, that was the best part.
0: Is he was warned. And he still got, he didn't have a good answer. That's that's why. So, yeah, so dad picked me up, told me that part. And we were, you know, laughing our tissues off.
2: Man, you know, it's a good thing that social media wasn't a thing then for him, not you. That would have been great for you, Uh, because if that video had gone viral— You know, a decade or so later, John Kerry might have been ready for you, and he wasn't.
0: Obnoxious, smug, high school senior stumps you know, Senator Bradley or
2: something like that. Uh, But the Three Martini Lunch today is brought to you by NetChoice. As Americans, innovation has always been what makes us different. America's tech industry outpaces the world. We have the most innovative companies that power our economy and way of life. And the reason for all that? Free market innovation. But some in Washington want to put big government in charge of America's top innovators. You know what that accomplishes? Nothing good attacking our own in the name of competition while our true competitors like Europe and China close the gap.
0: NetChoice believes congressional conservatives must stand for American innovation, not big government, by rejecting progressive antitrust proposals. They encourage you to tell your senator to oppose Senator Amy Klobuchar's Senate Resolution 2992.
2: Learn more about this fight and send a letter to your representatives at netchoice.org slash two nine nine two. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: All right, Jim. Well, that was uh, quite the story. It's good to know that uh, background, and uh, from New Jersey uh, to Washington, and you've been here for a couple of decades now. So it's. Uh I think helpful for folks to, to, to hear that backstory and to know that you've been schooling Democrats now for close to three decades.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, yet, strangely, Democrats never seem to learn. But in light of all that, I really have been itching for the better part of 12 years now. I, I know a bit about you, Greg. I know you, you grew up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your dad was active in politics, and I imagine that was one of the seeds that was kind of planted in you. But I want to know, what was the radioactive spider bite that brought you on this path to co-hosting this podcast today?
2: <laughs> uh, there's several different different factors. Yeah, I was uh, uh, born into a family that, first of all, watched the news all the time. So I was watching Walter Cronkite uh, by the time I was four or five years old, probably, if not sooner than that. Uh, My dad was certainly a conservative, but he was not uh, exactly a partisan. His big thing was he hated wasteful spending, personally or in government. Uh, He also loathed incompetence, And he was really good, because uh, of running his own business and other things, of smelling a con a million miles away. So he didn't have a lot of tolerance for politicians. My mom had grown up a huge fan of uh, JFK, and she was, uh, I think, still voting uh, for the Dems around the time I was born. By the time I was consciously following a presidential election, which would have been 1980, Reagan, Carter, And let's not forget John Anderson, although it's pretty easy to. Uh, She had been convinced uh, that uh, Jimmy Carter was not worthy of another vote. So uh, she uh, flipped to Reagan, and I'm pretty sure she (laughs) hasn't ever changed course on that. My brother, my oldest brother, was also very much into politics, and he was a a heavy influence on me. Perhaps – This the most significant moment for me, Jim, was the 1980 Weekly Reader vote, Uh, you know, where you would uh, vote that. And so even though I'd been watching the news, I guess I hadn't been paying attention much. So I got my ballot, which was, you know, probably in September or October because it takes a little time to tabulate those things back then. You got to actually mail them in. And the only one I'd heard of was Carter. So uh, I voted for him. And so at the dinner table that night, uh, I just mentioned, oh, we had our presidential vote today in kindergarten, Weekly Reader. And my brother looks at me and says, "Uh, who'd you vote for? said, well, the only one I recognized was Carter. And so I voted for Carter. Jim, there was no record or needle uh, in the room at that moment. But uh, I don't remember if he dropped his fork on the plate and it made a lot of noise. But it was made abundantly clear to me that that was the incorrect choice in the non-binding weekly reader poll. So um, I was
0: waiting for the and then my dad threw me out and I had to survive on the streets.
2: No, uh, but uh, but I was I was told in no uncertain terms, mainly by my brother, that that was the incorrect choice. And so our teacher took us to the part in the school where the polling was going to take place for the presidential election the very next day. And then she said, "Okay, so if you're for Carter, stand over there. If you're for Anderson, stand over there. If you're for Reagan, stand over there." Jim, I don't think I've ever moved faster in my life to go stand in the Reagan <laughs> corner. So uh, and uh, for the most part, I have. Uh, Never, never switched back. Uh, I remember voting with my mom a number of times. She obviously had to sign in, but uh, I was uh, helping her pull the lever, shall we say? Uh, Then, as you mentioned,
0: very laid back about that. They used to be say, "Hey, you know, yeah, bring your kid in there." Now, as I understand it, they're much stricter about bringing kids into the little voting booth.
2: Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, there was a point where my mom was like, "Slow down. I want to make sure we actually do every race." (laughs) So, so yeah, I was definitely definitely excited about that then uh, in 84 i actually tried to vote on my own uh, so I'm, I'm i'm sure i'd be you know called out for trying to undermine democracy now but the poll workers didn't go for it since i handed it in on like ripped out notebook paper and asked them to <laughs> cast the ballot i was also cast as ronald reagan uh in the in 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 the class that year as the in the the student election i lost because people filled in their ballot wrong so some things never change some things never change um but also in um, this was in
0: michigan right
2: this is in michigan and again non-binding uh but then uh my dad who had been on city council pretty much all of my conscious life um He got on there a couple years after I was born. But then uh, in the early 80s, I think it was 1983, he decided to run for mayor, which was citywide. It's about 8,500, 9,000 people. Uh, So I remember running all over uh, a significant part of town, handing out brochures, talking to people. Uh, He was not a big believer in yard signs because he actually wanted people to know what he thought. Uh, And it was a pretty small town, so pretty much everybody knew him anyway. Uh, And he ended up winning quite handily uh, and then uh, serving a a few more terms, Uh, then left um, because that's not a full-time job in a town that size, and uh, was later on the city council back long after I was uh, an adult. So all of that uh, uh, played in well. Uh, he was certainly a great example of what I look for in a uh, in a political leader. Uh, when he finally retired for the last time from city government about a decade ago, uh, he was interviewed on the local news, and this is how he he crystallized it, uh, how he approached politics. You just try to use common sense and uh, hope that there's integrity in the people people. you're dealing with. Which, in his case, was largely true in Washington, and it's not necessarily the case. Uh, So then um, my brother, my oldest brother, when he was getting ready to uh, look for colleges, we started getting Imprimis, which uh, a lot of conservatives will know as the speech digest of Hillsdale College. And so uh, we started getting that. We got uh, connected to Hillsdale. I went to Hillsdale for four years, got internships in Washington. And then after I graduated, came out to work for radio america uh, served as news director for many years still do hooked up with you in 2010 to do the three martini lunch so uh it's a lot of water under the bridge but that's where we are
0: well first of all in past episodes you've spoken with great fondness about your uh father god rest his soul and greg i think it i think he's probably smiling down upon you on the way that i think you not only you know do a phenomenal job on this podcast but let's face it a, a lot of conservatives but the more outspoken they get the more they can tend to, perhaps inadvertently antagonize people, or perhaps even deliberately antagonize people. You know, that, there's a reason the conservative movement has always had something of a more challenging sales job. And I just want to say, I think the way you, uh, you know, articulate your case, stand your values, live your values. Um, if everybody did what you did, Greg, we'd be in much uh, much easier situation. Well, Me, right. I admit it. I'm an acquired <laughs> taste.
2: Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say about me, and I would say the same about you. Jim is a man of high integrity. Uh, you can tell when he's extraordinarily passionate about an issue. Uh, and, uh, and and the humor, of course, uh, is is what provides a, a perfect balance. Uh, I know this is true of both of us. We're, we're blessed with wonderful families. Uh, I've been married to Mrs. Karambas for nearly... 13 years, uh, blessed with two uh, lovely elementary age daughters. We met at church. Uh, Our Christian faith is the absolute centerpiece of of our lives, and so uh, that informs uh, the rest of our lives, of course. And so uh, I know you are extraordinarily blessed in in that department as well.
0: Yeah, and if you've ever noticed that we refer to them as Mrs. Corumbus and Mrs. Garrity, uh, and neither one of us has mentioned our children's names, it's because there are a lot of psychos out there. (laughs) So we'd love to share more information with you listeners, but you never know which one of you nut jobs out there is listening and has a van that says free candy on the side and is gonna drive around Northern Virginia, hoping to find a little Garrity or a little Corumbus. Although I gotta warn you, uh, the little Garrities are actually not so little anymore. One of them's a black belt, the other one's playing flag football and he put a kid in the hospital. Okay, not really, but we did run into it. But either way, so we'd love to share more of our lives, but we think this gives you a good taste. And now you a little bit more about the two guys who hopefully bring some news, bring some analysis, and hopefully also bring some important laughs and a lot of complaining about the Jets and the Bears <laughs> to your daily
2: weekday. Yeah, that'll be coming in a couple months. Don't worry. J- Jim, good to get that out there. Hopefully folks have a better flavor for uh, what we bring to the podcast now, and we'll be back with the usual affair tomorrow. So enjoy the rest of Memorial Day as we uh, reflect and honor on those who have served and given the ultimate sacrifice, and and we'll pick it back up again tomorrow. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Thank you also for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Those really are a huge help to us, so thank you for that. Uh, Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Thank you for being with us today, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
1: Professor Gad Saad joins me for the entire podcast to discuss how the left is constantly trying to manipulate our minds to no longer recognize reality. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Professor Saad explains how the left brainwashes people to embrace sheer nonsense like men being able to have babies. He also explains how to develop the mindset to fight back and to equip our children to do the same. Join us. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app.